In the heart of the state of the art, at the dawn of the next stage in entertainment, you found no proscenium. have indeed found no proscenium the voice of everything immersive i'm your host noah nelson and welcome to episode 374 this week on the show we talk with maya carter vice president of the board of the black immersive creators grant and grant support team member kendra slack of linked dance theater about the 2023 cycle of this incredible community-driven grant for black immersive creators at any stage in their career the fundraising cycle is open right now with the applications coming a little later this season. You can check for links in the show notes already. Uh, we'll get down to all the details in a bit during the interview. But speaking of community driven, no proscenium couldn't exist without ours, specifically our backers at Patreon, where we are currently just 17 backers away from the 400 backer milestone and about $400 a month away from the $3,000 a month rate, which would, well, that would take my salary from that of a full-time Target employee to that of a full-time In-N-Out employee. And they get benefits. Um, so if you can, please help me keep off the fry line by going to patreon.com slash no and keep this machine rolling. If you're already a backer, drop a review on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice and share the podcasts and articles you find useful on your social media platform of choice. We are always no proscenium out there, except on Insta where we are no underscore proscenium. We're also on the lookout for community partners who are up for working out special deals for our backers. Hit me up at noah at noproscenium.com for details. And now, without further ado, we get into this week's interview. Last January, we told you all about the Black Immersive Creators Grant, which gives direct support to a Black maker who is launching original immersive work with a grant fund target of $10,000. Joining us now is Maya Carter, Vice President of the Board of the Black Immersive Creators Grant. Hello, Maya. Hello. It's so lovely to be here. And grant support team member Kendra Slack. Hello. Good to be here as well. So when we had Dana Magar and Risa Puno on in January of 2022, the grant was just launching and was open to makers. How did the 2022 cycle play out? Maya? I feel like the 2022 cycle was a, I mean, we did award the grant, so a successful beginning. Um, we had a number of applicants from across the country um, and they're, I feel like in all of the meetings sort of behind the scenes, there was a real sense of urgency of this propulsive energy, this real want to be of assistance and help make creating accessible especially mm -hmm. after the beginning and, you know, middling of the sort of shut inside 
quarantining period of the pandemic that we are still in today. Um, so I remember feeling incredibly inspired by all of the members of the board and their projects and the ways in which they felt drawn to working to get the grant off the ground. Um, and once we started getting applications in and we got to be able to adjudicate them, there's just, there is just so much here. And there are so many incredible makers working and doing and believing. Uh, and that was, that was a really cool thing to see. Kendra, for you, what was what was your experience of the 2022 cycle? Yeah, I mean, I think we learned so much. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, Noah, how hard it is to start an organization and to get it off the ground. And uh, yeah, I think it really took the dedication of everyone involved um, to make it happen. But we we certainly learned what worked and what didn't work well. And I think in the second year, we're really trying to learn from, you know, the things that didn't work as well, and we're trying to make them better for this year, um, which kind of prompted us to uh, abandon the artisan platform that we started on um, and become mm -hmm. our own uh, fiscally sponsored nonprofit organization, which is really exciting. Well, I think we'll take a moment uh, to, to get into the, the standalone nature for a second, but I, I want to stay on 2022 for one more moment, uh, because as you mentioned, you did successfully award the grant, which is, I mean, that's a, that's a big deal in and of itself. Uh, who, who got it and uh, what's the status of the project? So the grant was awarded to a creator named Salimatu Amabebe, um, and his piece was a piece called Black Imagerial, and it was part of a larger series that was created um, called Black Feast that combines food and art. This particular outing um, was an immersive dinner dance experience on a farm in um, Portland, Oregon. All right. Um, what is on tap for 2023? I guess we could start with new new platform a nonprofit of your own that's i mean that's a that's a massive lift right there oh yeah it is um yeah 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 uh no but i think it was um we learned so much in the process of doing that uh, and though it's a lot of upfront work a lot of hours put in to make that happen i think it's really going to help uh the longevity of the organization, which is, I think, what we all want. We don't want this to be a one and done kind of thing. We want it to be something that can become a part of the immersive community and absolutely, yeah, hopefully affect change within it because we're still such a young industry. We want to, you know, try start trying to put the processes and the things in place that we would want to see in, in our community. Uh, and I think because we're still figuring it all out. It's, it's a very good time to do that. Are, are you all sticking with the, with the one big prize uh, for, for this cycle? The, the, you know, the 10,000 is going to go to one project or it's, is there any, any changes to the shape of what the grant looks like from the point of view of makers? 
Uh, no, uh, no change for this year. There have been uh, some rumblings, uh, discussions of potentially evolving that in, in the future, and maybe I'll let Maya speak to that. But yes, this, this coming uh, cycle will be another $10,000 award. Yeah, um, in terms of future uh, shifts to structure, uh, potential, um, I think that we as a board and an organization are really interested in these first two years being about really just establishing um, what it is that the grant is here to do and assist with um, in a rather repeatable way. Um, and then truly, I mean, truly who knows? There's, I, I feel, speaking for myself, that a lot of things could change and shift depending on the needs of community. And I think that something that we are all interested in on the board and on the sort of, you know, behind the curtain side of things is making sure that we can receive feedback and really be available to the shifting needs of community um, and pivot and adjust if need be. What's the, so, so what's the cycle look like for 2023 then? Where, where are you at, at the moment in terms of funding or, or fundraising or, or looking for, um, looking for projects, looking for, for potential winners of the grant? Yeah. Well, so we're back in the fundraising phase. Yes, you know, please. That, that please. Fun, fun phase. Um, we're about halfway through our fundraising phase and about halfway to our goal, actually, which is really exciting. Um, we're, you know, we're soliciting the donations from the community because we feel like it is important for the immersive community to be a part of making this happen. Um, and so we would really appreciate anybody's support. Uh, we're fundraising through uh, the end of February, and then we are hoping to open applications uh, at the end of February, and then folks will have about a month to apply. So probably applications closing closing around uh, the 1st of April. Just at the, almost at the top of March and, and through April, and then we're recording this on January 9th, and, and it sounds like, the, you know, obviously keep raising money in, until you've hit the, the 10,000, raising money perpetually uh, for forever and ever, because that's the nature <laughs> of nonprofit. Uh, yeah. Never not fundraising. Um, Absolutely. Uh, so is, you know, are you, are you, so you mentioned you're looking for the community, are you looking mostly, is this the vision here, a lot of small dollar donations adding up to one big, is, is there some looking at institutional, fun, you know, funders, like, um, you know, 10K, it, it's so funny. 10K is in a huge amount of money from one, you know, sector point of view. And it's, it's you know, pocket change from other parts of, of our universe, uh, even mm-hmm. even the immersive universe when, when all is said and done. So how what's the strategies on, on trying to supercharge this? Yeah, I mean, I think we're going at it from both a, a yes and uh, sort mm-hmm. of uh, mentality. You know, we would love some larger institutional donations. We have been seeking those out. Um, perhaps they will also come with time as the grant establishes itself a little bit more. 
Um, the first year was totally funded by smaller donations by folks, uh, largely through the great work of Risa. Um, and this year we've kind of had a little mixture of both starting. We still have, we're still seeing those smaller individual grants or sorry, individual donations. Um, but we're also starting to see some larger donations from organizations, which is really great. And, you know, uh, smaller donations can add up to larger donations. You know, if you're in a company and, you know, everybody puts in 25 bucks, that's a, you know, could be a $200 donation from, from a certain immersive company that wants to help support this grant. So mm -hmm. I'm really hoping that that is kind of what will begin to happen is that the companies we see and hear about and know and love will uh, really, really take this uh, to heart and, and embrace it as something that can really help, uh, I think, the health and the diversity of, of our wonderful community. Um, and, and hopefully it's something that the community really embraces and and just it kind of takes on as their own. That that would be my dream. I I echo that dream, Kendra, one hundred percent. And I think that so many of those smaller donations are deeply possible because we've got, you know, members of the board from all facets of immersive creation, and so everyone everybody has their own network and is, you know, able to and willing to sort of, you know, plumb those depths to an extent and really sort of just reach their hand back and and um, see what comes of it. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing to see and to be a part of. Yeah. And I know I personally, as a creator, I'm only able to do this because, you know, I, I'm not a wealthy person, but I, I make enough mm -hmm. that I am able to put my own money into my art. And so many people do not have the ability to do that. I'm very, I have a lot of privilege in that way. And I, I recognize that that, that is how I have been able to do my art. And I mm -hmm. want that for other folks. Once the grant is open for creators, uh, for, for applications, what are some of the parameters? What, who should be, who should be reaching out and, and, trying to to get these funds like are there are there limitations on what stage a project is in uh or or anything else that uh folks should be aware of uh not just for themselves but also as they're thinking of people they know who might who might be you know uh, thinking about creating immersive but but haven't dipped in so is this is this for folks who might be their first thing or is this for folks who are kind of more established i'm uh, would love to know In the first um, application year of the grant, we received a wide range of the, I guess, I don't know, experience demographic, um, which I think was really, really wonderful. And something that we've been working on is making our sort of application um, parameters and guidelines uh, clearer, especially now that we're building our own, you know, online infrastructure to um, support the application process. Um, first and foremost, applicants need to be able to self-identify as a Black 
creator in the immersive space. Um, there is not an age restriction. <laughs> I'm I'm buffering internally. Um, <laughs> Aren't we all buffering? Very the <laughs> <laughs> we we are. Um, while while my um, brain does the sort of uh, spinning spinning wheel of rainbow colors, Kendra, can yeah. you maybe pick up some of my slack? Oh, oh, of course. Well, that's why oh. my last name is <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, there's no age restriction. Uh, there's really no restriction on where. Uh, a creator is in their career. Um, they could have made multiple immersive projects before. They could have uh, never made an immersive project before. This could be their first foray into it. Uh, it just requires a a desire to create immersive work. Um, and like Maya mentioned, uh, we got so many applications the first year that it was an amazing response, over 200 applications. Um, but we did find... And this might have been a product of the artisan platform, but we did find that uh, some of them were not quite in the immersive realm. So, I mean, as many many of the listeners know, defining immersive is very tricky. Um, but we've tried to at least give some guidelines, some examples of what could be thought of as immersive, and. Um, give folks a bit of a sense, bit of a roadmap of uh, sort of where the board's heads are at and where the selection committee's heads will be at. We're, we're trying to be very, very upfront about um, what the board is looking for and what, um, what they will be judging the applications on because we want folks to succeed. How many people are involved on, on the board side? I, I realize I don't I don't have a sense of just how, how how many people are going to be looking at all of these projects. Yeah, well, I think there's seven seven board members, um, mm -hmm. but the selection committee uh, is hopefully it was it was last year it was larger, uh, and we're hoping uh, to include more voices this year as well. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, so a small. Small, uh, small but small but you know, small, but mighty, mighty contingent. Where <laughs> well, I mean, sevens look, sevens is a good number for for a board and for a, a selection committee. Like uh, on the uh, enough points of view, and also like you know, tight enough that some that deliberations aren't going to go in just in circles and circles and circles forever. So like. It's, it's a good number. It's a good number. Yeah. Well, and I will say having watched or, you know, being the one sort of watching all the board meetings and, and taking the notes, uh, this particular group of folks and creators, they work really well together and have just so many wonderful ideas and I think are able to, also like Maya was saying, really take to heart um what seems to be working well and they always are trying to make things better at least that's my my view from the outside and it's really really amazing to watch them discuss and and work on this 
Maya, you mentioned that you got involved in, in 2021. I'm wondering, uh, how, how did you get involved uh, with, with this particular grant? Um, so I am, I have been a collaborator with um, Linked Dance Theater, um, founded by uh, the wonderful Kendra Slack and uh, Jordan Chalpeca. And um, I was working on a piece of theater with Linked called El Sonvois. And after that, am I right? This is this is the correct timeline. I know. I, I think it no, is. No, no, no. It was before. It? Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, it is. Or, because, was, or was it like real people do? No, it was like real people do because the beginning of the board and El Sonval were happening at the same time. Oh, yeah, that's right. Wow. Okay. Time is a flat circle and it just <laughs> continues to grow and shrink all the time. Um, but so Jordan and Kendra um, approached me about potentially being involved um, and later that sort of solidified to being on the board of the grant which you know I I hadn't been on a board before but in my work both inside and outside of um, uh, theater space just in art space I do a lot of community engagement work um, and I've fundraised in a in a small way for um, just you know the the camps and things that you try to go to growing up when the resources aren't there but you want to be able to learn how to make something new um and I was really excited to be able to participate in giving some money away because I I too do not come from a background that is resourced from birth right a lot of I know that I am where I am today because of community because of you know asking folks from the church I grew up in or my neighbors down the street or my principal's sister who saw me sing or dance in a play to help um and I I, I, I jumped very cautiously at the chance because I, I wanted to make sure that I didn't uh, mess it up. Uh, we love a recovering perfectionist. But the wonderful thing about working with other people is that there are other people there. And um, everyone on the board really, I think we grew to do our like load sharing of responsibilities in in a really nice way. And I think that folks have been able to sort of pick up where other people have left off and uh, continue to kind of build the boat together. Kendra, how about you? How, how did you, well, oh, I guess, what's your role in, in all this? Yeah, well, I'm a support team member. We have um, a small group of us uh, who are on the support team. And basically our goal is to take the burden of a lot of the administrative work off of the board members. Um, so I do a lot of the admin stuff, you know, a lot of scheduling, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, trying to trying to get everybody together and agree on a time to talk and, you know, take the meeting minutes when. And you're um, so good at it. 
Well, I mean, you know, uh, from all my time hurting actors uh, who, you know, have a have as good a direction direction sense as cats, I will say. Uh, well, yeah, yes, yeah, um, definitely pays off. Uh, I I do know my way around a schedule, and uh, I'm glad that I can use it for something that I really. I really believe in, I really believe in this grant. And I think everybody who's a part of it um, has, I mean, they've given of their time so, so generously and it's been amazing to watch uh, and just to be a small part of really. We've got the next cycle coming up. It's fundraising right now, hoping to hit your, your halfway. It's about 5,000 into the 10,000 and then it's going to be opening up for, for creators What's the what's the aspirational goal here now that you're forming up as a nonprofit? Uh, I don't want to have you project too far or or, 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 or you know overshoot what it do, what it is you're hoping to talk about in public. But <laughs> what, what's 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 some of the dream goals here for for what you could do? Or 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 I guess what would you like to see? You know, what? I'm gonna I'm gonna rephrase this question entirely. I'm gonna take, retake this one. So. You're in the middle of the fundraising cycle right now. You've got 5,000 of the 10,000. And then not too long after that, the grant's going to open up. What would you like to see the impact of this year's grant be? That's a great question. Yeah, Maya, do you have any thoughts? Um, it's interesting because I think I, well, without, without, for me, without having like received all of the applications and gotten a chance to look at them, sometimes it's not hard to think about impact scale, but a little nebulous because I feel like whoever, whomever is awarded the grant, their own ideas about what impact they want to have with their project I feel like would like let's say if we'd already get if we'd already awarded the grant that would directly influence my answer right now but I will say I am excited for the community to see new art brought to you know a further stage of development um I think that when, especially when the grant itself it has, it is coming from a place that isn't super restrictive in terms of what you can and cannot do with the funds um, once one receives them, that really opens up a wide variety of possibility for what an awardee could do you know an awardee could pay their rent so that they can focus on writing the thing or take the money and go on a research trip or buy a you know a technical element that they feel like their work's been needing that they just haven't been able to put their hands on to sort of create something new and I think I don't know. I feel like my my big dreams for impact are just that they are immediate 
and like very tangible to the person who is awarded it, but also that the community does begin to see the ripple effect of this thing and um, really, really continue to come together to help with the longevity of this grant. I think that's a, a really good point. Like the idea that the community getting to see the impact that they have, getting to see that, you know, whether it's, it's a, it's a big single donation or it's lots of small dollar donations, having an impact, moving a creator along, connecting, you know, building an audience for someone making a, a piece of work be all that it could be and and the word kind of spreading from there and, and just building that momentum and and giving the community confidence that the community can help make real change in the long term. Mm-hmm. That's that's an exciting prospect. And it's definitely it's definitely what I'm hoping to to get to see in the cycle uh, uh for twenty three uh from, from from where I'm sitting. Well Yes, please uh, for, all those things. Yeah. Uh, for those who want to be part of the fundraising part uh, or who are who think they themselves or someone they know might be good for the grant, where should people go uh, in order to connect with the organization? Well, we have our own fancy new website, uh, www.blackimmersivecreatorsgrant.com. Uh, people can donate there. Uh, we have a direct donation page, so you don't even have to leave our website to donate. Uh, all of the donations are tax deductible. Um, and then once the application's open, probably late February, uh, folks can just go to our website directly and uh, they'll be linked to the, the application there. So easy peasy. Yep. No sweat. Just come on over. Fantastic. All right. Well, Maya, Kendra, thank you both so much for spending part of your evening with me tonight. Uh, and uh, I look forward to hearing about the success success of the 2023 cycle of the grant. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Once again, I want to thank Maya and Kendra for being our guests on the show. You can indeed find more about the grant and currently donate in a not too long apply for the Black Immersive Creators Grant at blackimmersivecreatorsgrant.com. Simple as that. That's pretty much all we've got going on this week Uh, here on the pod. We have had uh, some reviews Uh, There's a feature-length review of a weekend getaway event uh, in the British countryside uh, that Ellery did for us. Uh, There is a review rundown. Uh, The call sheet's been updated again, and you're getting a newsletter this weekend. So we're we're cranking away. Uh, I think there may not be enough for a rundown next week, but I could be wrong. I can't remember at this very moment. I'm recording this on Thursday evening. I know we have at least one interview, uh, capsule uh, interview, one capsule review uh, in the can already, uh, but we do like to have a few of those out uh, to make sure uh, that they're, they're all bundled up together. Maybe we'll drop uh, an update to this week's rundown. Uh, That, that might be what we wind up doing uh, if, if need be. Uh, 
there's there's been a bunch of news uh, this week. Normally, we used to do the news at the top of the show. Um, I think I think it's going to wind up back here at the at the back end of the show uh, to give me something to talk about a bit. So uh, you might not have seen it. I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, Universal has announced that they're opening uh, two new attractions. We'll call attractions. Uh, There's going to be a resort, a family-friendly resort in Texas. Uh, I don't have all the details on that one. And there's going to be a year-round Horror Nights uh, attraction at Area 15 in Las Vegas. The Area 15 folks are very excited about this. Uh, And it's going to be sort of in a new expansion, kind of close to where Omega Mart is. Of course, close to where Lost Spirits Distillery is and catering to the horror fans, uh, of which there are a lot here in L.A., a lot in Vegas. It feels like a really smart move uh, to me uh, from everybody's part. It's just a, a wonderful idea uh, that I know should do pretty good. going to be interesting when they open it. Uh, I, I don't have the plans in front of me at the moment because I've been running around. Uh, dealing with some family stuff, so I've I've been able to get absorb the headlines, but haven't sat down with the news yet. But this one is one that we're really going to be watching very closely, uh, not just because of uh, you know that we're fans of this stuff, uh, but because of the way this sort of signals where the overall market, the industry is going, uh, the opportunities for creators. Uh, the strength of the market in terms of, you know, where people are going and being drawn to. And, you know, the the fact that Universal, which already has two major theme parks here in the United States, is opening up some out-of-their-normal-zone material. Uh, you know, we're we're in this place where there's a lot of experimentation because you have Meow Wolf, you know, with their three units, you've got Two-Bit Circus that's growing their footprint. And now Universal, who's, you know, is a big, it's, you know, it's, it's the biggest big that isn't the biggest big, right? You see what I did there? I hope you saw what I did there. Disney. I was talking about Disney. Um, so, this, you know, you can you can view it through the lens of, well, this is themed entertainment. This is theme parks. We've seen this kind of uh, cycle before. You know, go back, look at Disney Quest, see how that was very innovative but didn't last. You know, uh, you can look at sort of the game work stuff that's happened in the past. You can look at Dave & Buster's. There's a lot of ways to sort of view this through of the amusement industry, the themed entertainment industry. Uh, of which are, you know, the cousins and the forebears of immersive. What's going to be interesting is what is going into this Horror Night setup. Is it just going to be mazes? Are there going to be other elements? We know Universal's just opened up some escape rooms. Um, this is this is innovation uh, at the corporate level for this work. Does it mean that we're going to see uh, more indie work, which of course you know is where our, our heart of hearts lies? Um, not necessarily, right? You know, one does not follow on the other, but I firmly believe that as we grow the market for, uh, for folks who can, 
self-identify as fans of immersive and experiential work, even if they don't call it immersive and experiential work. They may just say, I like going to one of those game theater pieces. I like going to uh, a haunted maze. I like when the actors talk to me and, and my choices matter. Um, if they can, why did I, I did it with like a, <laughs> do like a surly 20 something year old's voice. Don't know why I did that way, but you know, maybe because I'm a surly 20 something at heart. But the more folks go to this kind of work, the more opportunities there are going to be for this kind of work. And frankly, in a universe where the only thing that's drawing people out to the movies are Avatar, because it's a technical spectacle that you can't really watch at home, and Marvel movies, which you don't want to be spoiled on, right? You don't want someone telling you what happened. Specifically, you don't want someone telling you what the trailer at the end of the Marvel movie was. Um, you know, what was the end credits, right? You know, that's what everyone wants. So because that is all that's kind of going on there at the moment, immersive has an opportunity. And when we look at the fact that, you know, the demand didn't go away, I'm feeling pretty good about this one. I can't wait to sit down and really dig into this stuff. Normally, I'd have something even more co cogent to say. You might be going, like, oh, Noah's lost a step. It's like, oh, man, if you saw what I was doing this week. <laughs> You'd be shocked that I even knew anything was going on whatsoever. So how how do I keep up with the news? It's called being a Twitter addict. So, which I still am, unfortunately. That's a whole nother thing. Anyway, um, if you still stuck around this far into it, thank you so much. We've got more coming. Uh, our next episode's already in the can. Uh we're going to take you to Sugarland, Texas, and the Department of Wonder had a fantastic interview with a couple of the lead creatives over there, folks on the creative team. Um, very excited about what's happening there. Uh, just a wonderful conversation about storytelling, about how they've approached this thing. Look it up. Look up Department of Wonder, Sugarland, Texas. Uh, whet your appetite for that. And then come back here next week and uh, let's have a grand old time. Uh, one last thing before we go, um, it may have been sounding like I was making light of it, the whole <laughs> target in and out thing, but, I, but I look, I look when they're hiring, man. So, uh, you want to keep me around patreon.com slash no proscenium. Let's get that. Uh, let's get that going up so that, uh, I don't have to go grab a day job and maybe disappear for all time because uh clock is ticking. It's January 12th. I got two months to make this work. So uh, three months, two and a half months to make this work. So let's get down to it. All right. Here are the people who do help me get down to it. The folks who are the backbone of what we're doing here. That's our sustaining backers, Samuel Mustry, Chris Woolman, Samantha Davison, Eric Shamlin, Elaine, Jay Bushman, Jerome Joseph Gentis, Tom Leonetti McGuire, Winthorne, Ryan, David Bassick, Richard Ayers, Lonnie Hanson, the Ministry of Peculiarities, and Jan Budman. Thank you all for helping me hold it down. The associate producer of this podcast is Parker Sella. Music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society and Solar the Podcast. Special thanks to Siobhan O'Loughlin for voicing our intro. And everything you just heard is my fault. I'm Noah Nelson. And until next time, I'll see you at the show. 